Welcome to the Triclinium, a podcast named after the three-sided table used in the Lord's Supper, where you're invited to join the three of us as we think through matters of Christian faith, practice, and community. My name is Jacob Hawley, and I'm here with my co-hosts as always, Nate Lead and Eric Burgers. And today we're going to be discussing uh, animals as they are uh, seen in the Christian tradition and uh, how we should look at animals as believers. Uh, should Do they have uh, any entitlement to uh, privileged uh, or any, any privileges, any rights? Uh, is there any way that we're supposed to be treating them uh, according to Christ uh, or according to our understanding of a scriptural ethic? So, uh let's jump in first with uh how are you guys are doing uh nate how are you man i am good i'm, I'm looking forward to this e- even just as we're you know as you're talking through the intro my mind is starting to go like all the different ways that for one our culture views animals you know i i think for one uh, there i think i'm kind of diving into it but you know like the the view of animals as utility you know uh to be used for human flourishing i mean even in in various diets you know people that people might not have a theology uh or an understanding on a uh, biblical or spiritual level of animals but they definitely have a practical view of animals yeah uh, maybe on both sides of the diet debate so vegans definitely have a moral philosophy when it comes to animals uh and i think that uh carnivores do as well so you know they they see animals very differently so uh, all that to say, I'm doing very well. I'm very excited for this discussion. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Eric, how about you? I'm good also. Um, yeah, this this could go in a number of different ways. Like, even beyond that, you could start talking about, like, I, I, I'm in an ethics class right now. And, uh, Woo! <laughs> yeah, uh, my professor was talking about, man, I don't even remember because it, the conversation just went, like, left because... Dr. Moeller, Al Moeller, actually walked into the class and somehow, some way, the the conversation started like bending towards, you know, can animals be moral? So like, and then we started talking about like morality and the Imago Dei and uh, it was, it was fascinating. But that's where my mind went when we we said we were going to talk about animals um, so yeah, I, I think it could be interesting to talk about like maybe animal cruelty and, uh, <clears throat> but I think Nate kind of touched on that and definitely, well, yeah. I, I think those views also stem from your understanding of animals and how you view them right. too. Right. So yeah. you know, how, how you interact with animals definitely comes from your belief about animals. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But as Nate said, all that being said, I am good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the conversation. <laughs> Good. Well, so how are you, Jacob? Oh, I'm I'm doing swell, wonderful. Uh, I uh, I want to share a story really fast uh, about this that I think no like, no stories. All funny. right, let's move on. No, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast must be dry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of an ethics class, I was in an ethics class at George Fox, uh, and there was a certain professor. It's very funny professor. Um, he was like the the head of the philosophy department uh, at George Fox. And uh, for the sake of the story, I'll keep him nameless, but I I think it's very funny. Um, So he was talking about utilitarianism, and one of the core tenets of utilitarianism is that you're you're going to uh, try to diminish the amount of pain and suffering for all basically all all, uh, living agents, right? And, And some people would even extend that 
to the uh, to animals, right? So, so the 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 good, the 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 best way to live your life uh, is to try to diminish pain for yourself and others uh, to the best of your ability, uh, and that some some people include animals. So he was telling a story. He said uh, there was a, a cat that had been mauled in his in his backyard, and this cat was like screeching and making all these terrible noises, and uh, and his family was trying to figure out what to do, and so. Um, he, he took the cat and he like wrapped it up and went through all the trouble of taking it to a vet and had it put down in a humane way. Um, and he turned to the class and his whole point behind this was, you know, the utilitarians have changed us, he says. So he, so he, he said, he turns to the class and he says, why didn't I just go and hit that cat in, uh, with a shovel in my garage? And, and all of us like to stare back at him, and he goes, he goes, the utilitarians have changed us. <laughs> and it's so funny. So you know the, why, but it is it is an interesting question. Why is it that that we believe um, that animals, uh, like that that it is it is part of good human behavior to not kill or or hurt animals in a way that that is uh overly grotesque or or um well we would say inhumane right which um either i don't know if that that stems from humane meaning that like it is of good humanity to do it or if like we're saying we're treating the animal as if it's human it's an interesting question but anyways you said that word and I, I was like wouldn't all treatment of animals be considered inhumane because you're not treating them as right human? right now yeah. i'm cute now it's i'm a, curious i'm word. doing well, some googling you guys talk for a here second. yeah i think probably what's going to underpin this entire conversation uh regardless of how you're going to define this term is the distinction between that which has that which has the Imago Dei and that which does not, and then what implications can further be drawn uh, from that and further commandments from that. So in my mind, Genesis 1 through 3 it plays a, a huge role no. in how... <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. It just, it's yeah. everywhere. But for, for somebody who's curious, Genesis 1 through 3 plays a huge role in, I think, how uh, humans interact with, engage with, should treat, and morally how we are bound to treat animals. Um, so, yeah, surprise, surprise, I do not believe, as I think you, uh, it's probably safe to conclude that the both of you also do not believe that the animals in general contain the Imago Dei. They are not made in the image of God. That is specifically reserved for humanity, uh, humankind itself. Um, that immediately is going to draw implications. It's to say that there is some moral or some <clears throat> state of being that humans possess, uh, which animals do not. Um, There's a distinction to be made there immediately yes. when, when that yeah. is said, definitely. Human beings in some sense have an elevated category um, over the rest of creation, which no other species uh, possesses at the moment. Right, so um, let's just confirm that real quick, just just to make sure. So, I mean, I, I would agree with that, that humans are made in the Imago Dei, in the image of God, uh, that, that they uh, bear that marking. Uh, and we see that laid out in the text that uh, the animals weren't 
created in the image of God, but humans were. So I, I would agree with that. Jacob, would you agree with that? Well, humans and turtles, right? We have to remember, like, you ever looked at a turtle in its eyes? It, it definitely has seen some things, you know? Um, I'm just kidding. Yeah, of course. Humans and, and they alone have some sort of specialized, yeah. yeah. This, is, uh, this is Genesis 1, uh, 26 and 27 that we're pulling this from. Uh, I, I can read it if we feel it necessary, but... Why don't you um, read it? We are a Bible podcast. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that. Yeah. We we like the Bible around here. Yeah. Here we go. I mean, from our name, you'd think that we were so, a table podcast. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. We're just a, a wood. Yeah, a woodworking podcast. Anyways. Yeah. So Genesis one twenty, starting in verse twenty six, says, "Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth." So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, or he created him, excuse me, male and female, he created them. Uh, so <clears throat> I don't think there's much more to be said there. I, there's some level of authority uh, that human beings, uh, well, authority is a new word actually that I'm saying, but human beings have some sort of category which animals do not and not only that it would seem that god is ascribing them some level of authority over and above animals and the rest of creation itself Mm -hmm. and so generally speaking human beings have something that animals do not directly given to them by god um so yeah i I think it'd be interesting maybe to go further on this i'm actually reading the next couple verses because I think the next, I think kind of generally what we're talking about right now is kind of the moral implications of how human beings treat animals in light of this revelation from God that human beings have something that animals don't. Because one could immediately say, well, look at us, you know, we, we have we have the image of God, so let's just kill all the animals or something like that. <laughs> or let's, yeah, you know. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, right. In they, the modern. Take the authority to the ultimate level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm getting at. And, you know, you can make the argument that some people are, are doing that in culture today. Like, you could start to get around to the, uh, to the fact that cows, for example, are raised and bred with very short lifespans and immediately slaughtered. Uh, and in some like where I would say it starts to get morally dicey is they're put in essentially like <laughs> cages that surround their bodies with no movement uh, and no freedom whatsoever. Uh, right. And they're just hauled off to the slaughterhouse immediately. And or like the question nuggets yeah. are made from baby chicks. You yeah. Know? Like they, as soon as they hatch, you know, it's like within a couple of weeks, they yes. are immediately killed and processed into food mm-hmm. so so uh, like without the entire purpose in life is, is used in order in utility to humans so yeah without getting into the morality of that quite yet and in a firm stance i want to read the next couple of verses because i think it gives some more implication into god's disposition towards animals as well and and i just want to notice something real quick so verses 28 and 29 say and god blessed them speaking of human beings that is And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And then verse 30 says, And and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. So what I want to highlight there, what I want to point out is, providentially speaking, God gives care to animals in the same way that he cares for human beings. It's essentially says the same thing twice. You know, I've given all the green plants, everything that's yielding fruit to you human beings. Guess what? I've done that to the animals as well. I'm, I'm providing for them as I've provided for you, but there, that's not to go against the distinction that God made between mankind and the rest of creation that exists before. So I think this has the moral implications to say that if God is going to rightly treat animals in some way in providing for them and caring for them by giving them food to eat and places to live on the earth, as you see in the, in the creation narrative previous to these verses, um, what does that mean for human beings as they exercise dominion um, over over the earth? So Go ahead, to, to add even deeper to your part, you said it sends the same thing twice, but it, it, importantly, it actually, it, it differentiates. It says... Yeah, general, generally. Generally, yeah, right, yeah. He, he yeah, provides yeah. the same, you could say, the same uh, bio uh sphere for them to to eat out of right but he says i give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it so the seed bearing so the basically the fruits are for humans humans are to eat mm-hmm. the fruits right out of the trees they will be yours for food and then for the animals it just says every green plant and i think mm-hmm. what to add even more to your point it's not that he creates humanity and and anim- and uh, the animals and makes them fight over one source of food. He gives them each a separate source for food, and and allows them like so they're not even in competition in the garden, right? They're not even in competition in the beginning um, with each other. Great point. Yeah. So just like a quick note there. Yeah, yeah. So um, generally speaking, uh, God operates in providence. I think you see this in Job as well, uh, when God is is speaking to Job, uh, describing the way that he cares uh, for creation itself and animals in particular Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. What is that, like Job 40, I want to say? It's near the end, yeah. Um, Yeah. I'll try to find it here. Uh, Anyways, um, God cares for the animals. And, And my point was, what does that mean for us as we exercise the authority that God has given us over creation. And I would argue um, on some level, and you know, it's again, as you get into any specific situation, you're going to have to use um, some level of reasoning and prudence as you navigate dicey scenarios. But on some level, we ought to care for animals too. We ought to provide for animals too um, in the same way that God did. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I would expect that God would hold us to that standard as well as, as human beings. Hmm. Um, but is there anything you guys want to add there before we can maybe get into some of those dicier things? Yeah. Just, just that it's, uh, Job 39 is where he talks about that. The ostrich. 39. Right. And all these things. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Uh, so maybe let's go back to that kind of 
scenario I, I posed before, um, and maybe we can think about it a little deeper. Um, let's yeah, let's talk about maybe cattle raising uh, and sure. the way that some cattle amongst farmers uh, are particularly raised up. Now, none of us, at least as far as I know, are experts. Uh, in matters of agriculture and farming at the moment. So I, you can take everything we say with a grain of salt, but generally speaking, I think it's safe to say that out there, uh, there's particular environments where animals such as chickens, like Nate was saying, baby chickens, cows, um, many other forms of, of highly populated animals are specifically bred without any sort of freedoms. And we can talk about whether animals deserve freedoms or not. Um, but they're essentially raised and then immediately slaughtered without any mobility freedoms uh, whatsoever in their lifetime. And the question is, is that morally just for human beings to do? Given the fact that we have authority and dominion over animals, what do you guys think? Well, to to paint another example on top of that too, uh, like I know that chickens, you know, so, some uh, some chicken farmers, I think, I, I I think it's the farmers, and I don't want to attack any farmers, but their pumps so full of hormones that their their the chicken breasts they're actually too heavy for the chickens to to walk around even, so they're just stuck in place mm -hmm. um, because they're they're pumped so full to, to fatten them up essentially to get more meat off of them uh and, and even to the point of like other uh bird species you know they have their wings clipped mm -hmm. uh, so that they can't fly away um personally i mean i eat meat you know i'm not going to deny that meat is delicious uh which I'm saying kind of sadly, but you know, I, I do have something <laughs> with a, with a frown on your face. Meat is delicious. Yeah. Meat is delicious. Mm -hmm. Um, no, I do. I mean, personally, you know, I do see something wrong just with, uh, with the treatment of animals in, in those environments. You know, it's, I don't know. It, it's really tough. Cause I feel like I'm kind of opening a bag of worms. Um, to say like, I don't know, like, you know, the hypocritic, the, the hypocrisy is obviously coming out in the fact that I like to eat meat, but I don't mm. like the way that it's raised, but I'm not I, like, I'm not going to go out and kill all my own meat. Um, you know, yeah. so in a way I'm reliant on, on farmers and the methods that they employ, um, are necessary for them to, to meet the demand, meat, um, <laughs> To, to meet the demand of of everybody needing meat um, so it's kind of like who am I to say what they should and shouldn't do uh, but I, I guess we're trying to speak on a moral ground I don't know I'm, I'm kind of yeah. spinning myself into circles because there's, no, there's a I lot think of different kind of areas I think you hit an important point here Nate um, you know without getting to the particulars of, of Genesis and the background of Genesis uh, and, and the way some people read it um I do think that it is morally permissible for humans to take animal life uh, for sources of food and, and to exercise a dominion in that sort of way. And I think I would probably make that argument from Genesis 3 uh, because I think God is the first example of, of God himself 
uh, taking animal life on behalf of human beings. So Genesis three twenty one says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And that was after Adam and Eve had made had sewn together fig leaves for themselves. Mm. Um, and so it's important to note that, well, garments of skins from what, you know? Um, right. And I, I think clearly we're going to say that these skins weren't alive um, <clears throat> when he made them, when uh, they're wearing them. Uh, just some very so. unhappy gerbils. <laughs> <laughs> I, if you want to go that far, sure. If, yeah, so so to back up just a uh, little bit, Eric, uh, mm. because so what you're referencing is after Adam and Eve uh, eat from the uh, the tree of knowledge uh, of good and evil. Yeah, right. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, um, and that's when sin entered the world. And mm-hmm. that impacted all creation. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so then we would argue from that point that all creation then was uh, corrupted in a way mm-hmm. uh, because of. So yeah, that that's even interesting too to think about uh, Adam and Eve's dominion and kind of rulership over um, creation, and then their act also uh, stained all of creation as well. Mm-hmm. So they they were responsible for it and their actions had direct implications for for the animals that they were supposed to have, uh, that they were yeah. supposed to take care of. You know, yeah. Adam naming the animals is a very important uh, mm-hmm. fact in that, uh, you know, that God gives us the ability, g- gave Adam the ability to name the animals. You know, that, yeah. like, <clears throat> I mean, Eric, you, you just went through the process of naming your son. You know, I, mm-hmm. that, that's a very important uh, aspect in any relationship, you know, and we see throughout the New Testament too that uh, even Jesus renames people, yes. uh, gives them a new name, and so there's something very, uh, so, something very spiritual uh, about naming something. And so it, it's very clear that Adam had dominion over, had responsibility for yeah. animals, uh, and his action, him and Eve's action, uh, caused the world to plummet into sin, including yeah. those animals. Yeah, which I think is very there's interesting to think about. Yeah, there's there's a property of uh, dominion going on in what you're talking about there. Uh, there's a care yeah. involved, uh, and they're living out of how God has uh, ordered the world for human beings to care for animals in the way that He ex- exemplified for mankind in Genesis one, as as we read previously. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, kind of what I was getting at there in Genesis three, and, and thank you for kind of that background context as well, is that. Um, I, I would say it's morally permissible for human beings to, uh, as all creation fell with them, to exercise dominion over animals uh, for the right reasons, being particularly for for food as a source of food, uh, because God himself uh, may sacrifice animal lives in some way uh, within that verse. Uh, so there has to be some category by which we say, uh, animal death on behalf of human beings uh, is acceptable. Uh, I, I would see it that way. Yeah. I think um, another passage that, that's important as we speak about this is Genesis 9. Um, so this is after the flood and it says, Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. So notice it's the exact same command <coughs> that was given to Adam and Eve, right? Um, yeah, is yeah. is to Noah, because he's the only one on earth, right? 
The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and on all the birds of the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground, and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. Um, I'm not sure what changes uh, that that causes this as to be like uh, a new command, right? Like what? Um, I'm not sure what the flood has to do with it. You know what I mean? Um, but it is interesting that that God is explicit here in saying. Um, animals are now yours for food and the fear and dread of you shall be up upon them, right? Like, so that mm. they're going, in, in, in other words, they're going to see you as a predator now. So get ready for mm. that. Um, yeah. So the natural fear that you see in animals, the, every animal aside from, you know, domesticated animals, that is wild animals are typically going to run away from you. Yeah. Uh, and that just seems to be yeah. natural to or e- like, even to fear. Yeah, yeah, even predatorial animals as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, will will naturally run away from you. Like, I'm a hunter myself. Uh, hmm. I've been in the woods often and run into wild animals. Um, and, yeah, even predators, coyotes, for example, are deathly afraid of you. Hmm. They will run away from you, <laughs> uh, despite their carnal instincts as as well. Um, and... Yeah, this is this is true for even some of the deadliest of animals as well. Even bears, for example, um, depending on certain circumstances and and times of year, um, right. will likely run away from you. Especially if you take proper precautions and do things to scare them off. Yeah, uh, as well. So mm. that just to add some credibility to yeah, that as yeah. well. And, and, yeah. So <clears throat> I I wonder. This is this is my current approach to the question of um why not just uh be brutal to animals all the time you know Mm -hmm. uh is i think that animals it's i don't i i won't go so far as to say that uh animals constitute moral agents to the degree that like if you kill an animal you have done something wrong right um Mm -hmm. but what i will say is that animals act as a mirror for us. They they show us a part of ourselves um, that I think uh, requires interpretation, um, but but is often quite telling. So, for instance, I think the thing that is... I think that factory farming is grotesque in the same way that I think that, um, like, the idea of a sex robot is grotesque. It's like this. Oh, that's interesting. It's the yeah. use of, of raw <laughs> yeah. material or of, of the creation around us in a way that is perverse to. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a bending in on human control in a way that seems perverse. Let's just say that. Mm. Um, so, yeah. so I think that like if America wasn't the center where all of this was happening, I think you might yeah. make a different argument, right? If it's if it's in a country where there's a, a massive starving population and you're factory farming, you might think, well, good for them. They're, you know, they're solving the issue and with not very much land taken up. But this is America yeah. where, like, obesity yeah, is our point. problem, yeah. right? So it, it's it, what it is is it's a, a mirror to our own indulgence and gluttony and our, that's a our great consumerism. Point, yeah. So yeah. that would be my Absolutely. approach. 
That's yeah, that's perfect. Um, so in, in other words, you're saying that even in scenarios like this, uh, our, our judgments or our, um, moral conclusions can vary in certain circumstances. Uh, so you gave the example of, uh, us, a country that's starving and they need to solve a, a issue for starvation now. Right, right. Like, right. or people are going to die. Right. It would be morally permissible in that sense to uh, use animals as a source of food and perhaps factory farm. Yeah. Uh, for for the sake of the people, whereas in America, where we have an overabundance of resources, um, it, it, it essentially what it sounded like is it boils down to people's heart's desire behind it. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, with the the starving nation the desire is that people don't die yeah which is a good which is a good i think we would all uh agree with um the factory farmer in, in modern america today the desire is probably something in la- in a tune with greed or something like that i want money uh i want i don't know recognition somehow yeah um something of of the nature there's less of an excuse to factory farm in America um, in today's culture, and it boils down to what what is my desire and what I'm doing and how I'm treating the animals in this way. Yeah, and is it yeah. ordered ordered towards some greater good or not or my own selfish desire? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting too because I think that we've uh, established two main points. Uh, one that that well maybe a few more. Uh, but the first one being that humans and animals are definitely separated uh, with humans uh, being elevated above the status of, of an animal uh, because we have the Imago Dei, the image of God. We're created in the image of God. And also, point two, that uh, humans have been given dominion over animals. Um, uh, and with dominion comes the ability to decide uh, when, when to use animals for what. So in, in the situation, like you said, Eric, uh, you know, humans have dominion in order to say, okay, we should increase our production of meat in order to meet the, uh, demand, you know, for starving people mm-hmm. in, in the country. Uh, or just hungry people in general too. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, so it's good to, it's good to exercise dominion over animals in that way to meet, uh, the need for humans. Um, but then also cause, cause, uh, to have dominion over something in, in all aspects would also, in my mind, and maybe this is just me playing devil's advocate, uh, but would also grant the ability to do whatever you want really to animals. As well, you know, that I see that as being semi-problematic um, in our discussion of this. So I'm, I'm curious as to what you would say to, to the idea of dominion being both, we can choose when and what to do with animals, but they are beneath us and we, we get, basically we get to decide what we want to do with them, you know? Should, so is, is another way to phrase your question then, like should animals have some level of freedom uh, then? Is that kind of what you're getting at there? Like, I guess say, uh, I could see people, so based on the, on the points that we've established, I could see somebody saying, well, if I have dominion over animals, I should be able to do whatever I want to them. Mm-hmm. If I'm elevated to the status of, of having the image of God and being above animals and I, I'm even given, I'm charged by God to exercise dominion over animals, um, mm. then why why can't I do whatever I want to them? I could see somebody making that point. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You, Let me just back up here. Yeah, go ahead, Jacob. I, w- I would say you can, but what you do to your animals reveals to me your heart. 
So I would say this is yeah. uh, Proverbs yeah. twelve ten says a righteous man has regard for the life of his animal, but even the compassion of the wicked is cruel. Um, and so I think that like I I, I think that there's a, a a way in which we we see by proxy that the way that somebody treats their animals in the same way that they treat like their things, right? Like somebody who is quick to dispose of things uh, and, oh, here, we got to pause. Hold on one second. Um, oh, no worries. Sorry. Uh, my ear pods are like right on the verge of cutting out here. Hold on one second. Let me get my headphones here. Sure. And then do you want me to pause my recording? If or? Uh, no, no, don't do that. We'll just reclap here. Okay. And so I have a better idea okay. Okay. where we're at. There we go. I'm sorry. Um, this whole entire voice changed. That was crazy. Yeah. Uh, am I deeper or higher? Deeper. Way deeper. Yes. <laughs> Holy game in there. Yeah. Uh, so where did my Jacob Holly? Monday, Monday, Monday. Yes. Yes. So, all right, ready? Three, two, one. All right. Sorry, there. My my uh, my AirPods were just cutting out, so I got to switch over to my uh, headphones. But uh, I think what I was saying is that uh, we we see uh by proxy how how people treat uh their animals is is kind of reveals uh disposition in their heart in the same way that the way that they treat their things right um like i i think that it tends to be and and again every piece of data requires interpretation so this isn't always true but if you see somebody let's say that has a ton of things that are not well organized and not well kept. We have a word for that type of person, and it's a hoarder, right? Mm -hmm. And and that has like if you think about hoarding, there really like is nothing morally wrong with hoarding, right? Like no one's being hurt by hoarding. It's not a problem. But we we see something in it that's problematic, right? Like we we see a disposition towards material Pra practically speaking, there was nothing more. No, things, yeah. But internally speaking, yes. Yeah, it's it's a <laughs> symptom of a disease. So I would say mm -hmm. it, that that would be my read on, um, on really on any case of animal mistreatment um, is that it's a symptom of a d disease. And so in the case of somebody who's you know cr creating factory farming in in like a in a nation with a lot of poverty, the disease is. Uh, the the poverty right that's the disease it's a symptom yeah. that that uh, that they are trying to treat like, in the same way that a fever isn't a bad thing it's actually helping but it's it's a symptom of a disease right so it's in that same sense whereas um, right. it can also be a symptom of greed or consumerism or any of those kinds of things uh, but Nate what did you want to say yeah so so that's great I, I agree with that point and uh i think that's great so so now as we talk about uh, i, I want to pose a question and i think that there's a distinction to be made uh so we uh, would you guys agree with this phrase that we should treat animals morally not because animals deserve uh moral treatment 
but because uh, there's a there's an ability for mistreatment to be affecting humans, I guess. So the, the, the distinction being, well, we should, somebody would say we should treat animals morally uh, because they deserve uh, morality versus uh, what it kind of sounds like we're saying in that uh, we should treat animals with morality because of what it does to us. Because of because we we have dominion over animals, we should exercise uh, authority over them, and we should take care of them. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, you hit the nail on the head, Nate. I I I was over Zoom. I was giving him big thumbs up. So I think actually something just dawned on me as you were as you were saying that, which is our notion of because they deserve it implies that you can be horribly violent and uh, malicious to things that deserve it, right? Um, so, like, that, that or, or in, in the negative sense, that I'll only treat things with, with caution and, and nicely if I think they mm. deserve it, right? Uh, or mm. if they do deserve it. And, and I think that that is a, a terrible way of approaching, right? Because mm. violence in most cases, or that kind of, like, that, that disdain for creation... Um, it is oftentimes a, a an indictment on our souls, right? It is an indictment on, it's a marring of our souls. And so to say like, well, you only have to treat things nicely that deserve it. It's like, well, that's basically the... the that's a terrible way to live your life. Terrible, yeah. yeah. They, like that's how, that's how they got away with, um, uh, with slavery, like treating people badly in slavery is because they just said, well, they're not human, or they're not as human as we are, right. and so yeah, we, they, they don't, don't deserve, deserve yeah. our, you know, well treatment, right? It was like, no, you, like, even if that were true, it shows a deep depravity in your heart that that's the way that you think about yeah. treating things nicely, right? Um, yeah. Right, right. I think so this if somebody is... were to say, sorry, Eric, if somebody were to say, uh, I'm going to treat animals however I want because they don't deserve it. They're just animals. Yeah. Like that says a lot about somebody. Yeah. Whereas mm -hmm. somebody who would say, I have a great respect for animals. Uh, they have a great utility for humans. Um, I'm not going to mistreat an animal, uh, but I, I will use an animal in order to benefit myself and my family or my community mm -hmm. or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are two very different people. And I think that that's kind of the characterization of what, what we're saying. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think I'm in full step with you guys. I I was going to say that, yeah, I think the question in and of itself is just phrased wrong. It's just coming from the wrong place mm. in its entirety. Um, because I would say, you, you know, again, it's, if I were to answer that question, I would say yes and no. Because I think on some level, animals morally deserve something uh, because of the way that God has designed them and treated them as we see in the Genesis narrative. But like the way that they're using that word deserve would be different from the way that I w just said it just right there. Um, mm -hmm. Because we have a difference in opinion over their inherent value, uh, their inherent design. And so, yeah. So like to go way back, Nate, like I, in answer your question, uh, we were kind of talking briefly there about like uh, do animals like deserve freedoms or something like that like is it, uh, it take it even further back like you know is could we say that uh, um, what we call factory farming is wrong because 
the animals are being kept in confined spaces. Animals deserve to be free. And somebody could go to Genesis 1 and say, you know, at each step in creation, God is assigning lands and waters and areas for the animals to inhabit uh, and to roam free. And so our denial of their freedoms in that way is morally wrong. Um, and maybe it, I can either answer the question. If you guys have thoughts, you guys can, can answer it too. But, uh, again, I, I, I still think even like posing a question like that, like I just posed would still be coming at it from the wrong way. Um, but, uh, I, I'm curious to hear your guys' answers before I, I say something. I, I think that the problem with saying something like, do they have freedoms? Do they have rights? Is that it, mm. it, it presupposes violence. The whole, the, the whole way that American, uh, ju the ju American judicial system was, was kind of developed is around this idea of negative rights, uh, that mm. humans naturally want to take whatever they can, that they're self-interested and self-serving. And so you have to have rights as a way of protecting against that self-serving nature, right? Humans will try to kill you for your stuff, so you have the right to life, right? The, the, the government will step in and, and try to uh, secure your right to life, right? No one else can kill you. So I think the problem with talking about it that way is it's, it's presupposing as normative our sinful nature. And it is normative, but it shouldn't be, right? Like that's... Uh, so, so when we talk about animals, it's like, well, do they have a right to not be violated by me when I obviously am violating everything else that I possibly can, right? When I when I'm exploiting everything else that I can, I think that's the I think that's the problem. Is like the 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 conversation starts off on the wrong foot. Um, yeah. Now, could you say? Uh, I think that we all, I think a good way of thinking about it is we all know what it's like to have a good relationship with an animal. That's an ideal that everybody understands, right? We have pets where right. we, we, spe we have them spend their enti the entirety of their lives as long as we can possibly get out of them uh, with a name and with security and with food. Uh, and with companionship, if we, you know, like whether it's a human, you know, like being friendly with it as a human, or being uh, like getting it, giving it other animals to be companions with it, and then we mourn its loss, right? I think those are all things that I think we we could. The more of that you maintain, probably the more healthy your relationship is with animals. The more that you're unwilling to just harm it for no reason, right? Um, I think the the better it is, and like it, you know, everybody recognizes that, uh, or as I would say most people would recognize that, like a dog owner that never takes their dog out on a walk, and a dog owner that takes their dog out on walks, like the dog walker is better than the one that is just leaving it inside all day. So yeah, yeah. that they don't have a right to space, they don't have a freedom, like they shouldn't be protected by a freedom from space. But you you know that you're being good to animals when you're moving towards those ideals. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Nate, what do you have to say? Here's an interesting uh, point though, uh, because we would all say morally that a person who treats their uh, animals is better than the person who mistreats their animals. But here in the US, uh, 
in all 50 states and the District of Columbia, it is uh, a crime to commit cruelty towards animals. So animal cruelty is a crime. Sure. And so that that is the government ascribing some rights in a way. Oh yeah. To animals. Yeah. So so that's very interesting because totally. you know should animals have rights? It's like, well, our government sure thinks they do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So mm. it, it's very interesting because it's like they they're not human. You know, most of our laws are really just about humans and what can be done mm-hmm. and what can't be mm-hmm. done to humans. Yeah. Uh, but it's very interesting that our government also includes laws. Um, about animals too which maybe that's uh in regards to our professor's point that the utilitarians have changed us hmm. but yeah <laughs> yeah i'm no i'm no expert in in law or law theory but one would hope that the intention behind the creation of the law uh would be exactly what we're saying it's that it's more ordered against the humans uh violation against animals mm-hmm. uh and they're they're heart's intention behind the action so the law is created in order to suppress public acts of violence against living agents more so more so than it is to ascribe inherent uh freedom free i would say probably freedoms over value um to to animals uh so it has more to do with the human beings and their characteristics their intentions than it would, uh, at least I would hope, you know, at, at, at the institution of that law, than it does uh, say something about the animals themselves. But I think it teaches us both, you know, like it shows yeah. us both that our, one of our ideals as a as a nation is that animals would be treated with, like, at least humanely, right, without unnecessary violence. Um, so that's an ideal for us. It also shows us that there needed to be a law because people were treating their animals with violence, Terrible, right, yeah. inhumanely. So it shows us um, the the dark and the light of human nature in that, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, yeah, to jump back to what I was highlighting earlier, like, uh, should animals have freedoms and using Genesis 1 as kind of an example. I, like, I think it's fair to say, like, yeah, in, in some scenarios, in some sense, like, yeah, animals should be free, you know? Like, it, it's, I don't know, it'd be a great idea for human beings to go trapping uh, bears and wolves and deer and just not letting them move anywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, that I think in, it, like, in the grand scheme of things, that's going to affect uh, the environment and, and natural cycles. Uh, yeah. And it would be detrimental to humans in the long run, probably. But at the same time, uh like is it wrong as we were saying for humans to factory farm in certain scenarios well no uh like the starvation one i think is a perfect example of that and in that sense uh i don't think the animals have an inherent right uh say cows like in that scenario like to have (laughs) walking around freedom if it means the cost of a human life uh which has a certain category over and above the animals Mm. so might might we say that the that the human and the animal ought to live lives that are uh as far as they can be equivalent to each other in how how much they are are respected unless it gets in the way like humans have a priority right like if, if uh, killing an animal means saving a human life, then we're going to do that, right? 
Um, right. Like if a if a cougar, if you're walking with a friend in the forest or on a hike or something, and a cougar jumps out and starts mauling your friend, you have not only do you have like the moral acceptability to act in defense of your friend, you have, in my opinion, you have a moral obligation to kill that animal right. if right. you have the chance. Yeah. Uh, if it is trying to kill your friend, yeah, I would argue, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So, so, it, but like, if that cougar just minds its own business, you have no right, or you have no not known right, but you have no business going out and killing it unless it's to right. get food, right? Which is a self, it's a life sustaining right. activity. Yeah, we could. Uh, this is interesting too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Eric. I, I'm going to pose a different question, Nate. If you had something to say about that specific thing, well, I was going to go then, on a different topic. So you go ahead. Yeah, I. Was, because this gets into some interesting territory, one that's personal for me, because as I mentioned earlier, I'm a hunter myself. Sure. Um, but I do have some moral qualms about some things within hunting uh, that I'm, I'm unsure about, and maybe we could flesh out a bit here. But like, for to give you an example, and using cougars as an example, um, it depends obviously from state to state with different state regulations over uh, how it is one hunts and if they even can hunt cougars. Um, but I wrestle with whether or not that should be an, a, an acceptable practice, hunting cougars in specific. Um, no, maybe not cougars. Maybe I should say something else like coyotes or something like that. Um, because Predatorial animals. Yeah, because they're not... Um, you're not hunting them for meat. That's pretty clear. Um, bears maybe, but like smaller animals like cougars or something, like you're likely not going to be able to eat it because it's they probably are ridden with disease um, and it would be harmful to you. Um, and they're likely, in all likelihood, they're not going to bother you. Uh, they probably want to stay away from you. Um, and so there's no like, the driving purpose behind like hunting for say elk or deer is that you're providing food for your family, um, in my opinion. Whereas for like a cougar or something else, uh, you're not doing that. You're just doing it for sport, right? But I can't, um, I'll get your guys' initial thoughts, uh, and then I'll, I'll say what my probably conclusion on cougars would be, and then maybe we could talk about something else, but it's something interesting to think about, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my initial thought, and I'm a, I, I mean, I'm spitballing here, but... My initial thought would be um, it is good and maybe even righteous uh, insofar as that animal threatens the livelihood of you or your family. Uh, and that it extends to its threat on your farm or your livestock or yes. um, your ability to provide for your family. So if if a cougar, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the obvious one is like, hey, if a coyote comes in and or a fox and eats all your chickens, it's like, yeah. I mean you have uh, maybe even an obligation, like you said earlier, mm -hmm. uh, to, to remove that threat from your family because that is preventing your family from being able to yeah. eat. Um, yeah, even beyond that, yeah. Um, I'm, yep, I think that's the answer to that one as well. Um, beyond that, just to give a practical example, when I was a kid going hunting uh, and just driving around the back roads and things like that, you couldn't not go on a drive and not see deer as you're just driving around and they're all over the place. And this is in Oregon, of course, um, as I was growing up nowadays. And as I got older, um, there's been times where we've gone out hunting and not seen a single thing at all. 
And the question is, what happened? And the answer, in my opinion, is Oregon made harsh regulations against people having the ability to maintain the cougar population against deer and elk, so much so that they have killed off nearly the entire population in certain areas uh, because they've been left uh, unchecked and they're able to kill at whatever will they want. And so this, yeah, this affects other populations. This affects how people feed their families. This yeah. um, Didn't they also reintroduce wolves? They did that as well. Yeah. yeah. They did that too at the same time. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I mean, so I, I studied a little bit of wildlife management in high school. Yeah. Uh, and it's really interesting to look at how um, an, an environment and a uh, food chain really regulates itself because as, as a predator, uh, why did I say it like that? Uh, as a predator population increases, uh, the, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but the, the, uh, deer kind of, the, uh, herbivore populations, they will decrease. But then as that population decreases, uh, the predator population also decreases. So it's mm. a really interesting cycle, uh, yes. and how these environments really, they contain themselves in, in generations, you know, yeah. this is over long periods of time, but they regulate themselves, which is really interesting. Mm. Yeah. I, I think, um, one thing to just like, as maybe another like analogy or an example, a parallel that might be helpful is like, um, I, I want to stay away from saying that like animal cruelty is morally wrong because I don't, I think that you have to have so many, have so many, uh, axes of proof that what's going on, like, like uh, you could say an act of, an of violence against an animal requires an in a ton of interpretation and given the context can determine. You got to define a lot of terms. Right. Yeah. And, and so I would say. I don't, I don't want to get into the, like, I don't think that anybody who has ever killed any animal, I'm this, this might be real, really broad statement. I don't think that that action is the immoral thing. I want to maintain that the, that it is a window into the soul of the person. Mm. And so this is almost like a virtue ethics thing where it's like, if you're, if this is like the one time you've done this, then somebody may look at you and go, wow, that was awful uh, to watch what just happened there, but I know that's not who he is, right, or who she is. But if mm -hmm. this is a serial thing, or this is an institutional thing, or a systemic thing uh, that you've been, that you've put your name next to of this, like, this animal cruelty, it, it, I think it's, it's, uh, it's indicate it's indicative of a of a a, a moral deficiency somewhere maybe, uh, so it like it's mm -hmm. it, but it's a signpost. It's not the thing itself. I, I want to maintain that. So in the same way that I would say actually I would say wealth is a, another really significant thing here is like where you see massive amounts of wealth, your first question should be, wow, how did they get that wealth, right? Like there, there should be, or that it's not even there should be, there will be questions. It, this is, this is maybe just a, an aspect of human nature is that we, because we have that, maybe it's part of the imago dei in us or whatever, but it's mm. this like this tendency towards critique and judgment of others and of ourselves. 
And I think that, mm. like, killing an innocent animal or developing massive amounts of money or, uh, let's say, engaging with a sex robot or whatever of these things that aren't technically wrong, right, by, like, uh, the moral action in itself, but, like, in any of these uh, instances, humans will judge and they'll begin to wonder, like, what is going on in that person that led them to that action, right? Um, yeah. Or to that I state. think, I almost think you can have both, Jacob. I'm not sure. Because on, on one level, I do want to ascribe some level of value to animals on some on some level. Because um, I think it would be strange to say that God created living agents in this way, uh, but they don't have any value whatsoever. Um, their va- and, well, I would just say that and, their value is is to the reflection of the human heart. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wonder if it goes beyond that a little bit as well. And having being the one, I would guess, on this podcast that's been the only one that's actually taken animal life and watched it happen, uh, it's hard for me to say, like... When you go through that process and you actually do it, it something happens like as you watch it with you. And I think that's perfectly in step with what you're saying, Jacob, that that probably is saying something about me personally, internally, as I witness this happen. Yeah. I, part of me feels bad about it, you mm-hmm. know, because you watched a life like dissipate from a living being's eyes. But part of me wonders if that has something to do with the way that God has um, created these living beings as well. Um, as well as my, my personal, um, view of them, I guess, my personal disposition towards them. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm way off kilter there. But But here's, here's a question then. So in a, in a, in a nation state in which sacrifice was a common, statute and god is the one who instantiated that mm-hmm. um do you believe that god was asking humans to do something wrong by asking them to kill mm. animals on his behalf no i don't think uh, you're gonna get it yeah again defining terms and and uh just what by value we mean Um, no, I don't think there was some sort of violation because I think they were serving the purpose of their value, uh, in the way that God ascribed it with the sacrificial system. Um, and so like they weren't doing something wrong, the Levites, uh, and, and the priests as they were sacrificing the animals. Um, but like the human being, like we're almost talking talking about separate moral categories because they're doing this as a direct command of God and and as a disposition towards God, whereas somebody who's like let's say just shoots animals, like walks out of his house and wants to just shoot animals. Like I've heard of, uh, I'm not gonna name people, but I know people who, if a domestic dog walks on their property, the dog is dead. You don't walk on my property. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that says something about the individual um, or a domestic cat, too. Yes, that says something about the individual. But it's difficult for me to walk away from 
the value that God has given that particular animal. Like it, it's, they're doing something in opposition against the animals, whereas the priests and the Levites were doing something for God, I guess. Um, so it's, it, it's like a different ordering in, I guess, is a way to say it. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. I would have to think more about it, but um, I could be wrong, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I think I disagree with you in that, but I'm, you know, I... I I understand why you would say that. Like, I, I do, th- I think there's, um, like in that instance of somebody killing someone else's dog, basically, uh, right? A domestic dog, you said, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So, so dog walks on my property, I kill the dog. I don't care if it's owned by someone else or not. I think the infraction there, which I think it, that could be considered immoral, and the reason is because you've killed someone else's property, right? You've that's that's someone else's dog, and by the way, people treat pets almost a member of their family. Like it, it, it is you, like it. It's the same uh, moral evil, I would say, as like, uh, or it can be perceived as the same moral evil as as killing. A distant member of yeah. family, right? So, so I I do yeah. think that that's a there's a category for that that is yeah. within the moral realm. I'm just saying that, like, I I don't want to go so far as to say hunters are doing something immoral, or yeah. uh, you know, well I hunt, so neither would right, I. right, right, right. <laughs> but uh, well, let, yeah, let me pose another question because that, that's interesting. Uh, the last couple of minutes, I've just been thinking about trophy hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So hunting for hunting sport so yeah i'm I'm not gonna lie to you i'm not gonna lie to you trophy i've my my father has been to he's kind of you know over the years he's gotten into some higher relationships with higher ups within his business and his corporations and so he's been on to some important people's houses who do these things before and he'll walk in and show me pictures of uh trophy rooms just decked with safari life and uh different kinds of animals some of which in my opinion do not did not deserve death um it because it was merely for sport um and like like the dude had like a hippopotamus on the on the wall Mm. you know uh, or like a giraffe. It's a strong wall. <laughs> on the That's wall. It's a strong you know? wall. <laughs> and, uh, That's hilarious. Uh, and um, it, like something in me, like it's just like that's wrong. I don't like this. There's there's something going on here. And again, uh, to Jacob's credit, nothing of what I just said is out of step with his view. And and I would uh, I would affirm what Jacob is saying. That's a window into that person's soul as to how they are operating with their intentions. Um, I'm saying, and I think maybe the language of value might be wrong, but I'm wondering if there's some level of value that that uh, animals have to have because of the very fact that God chose to create them rather than not. Yeah. Um, there's living agents for some sort of purpose, and it would seem weird to say that God created a living agent with no value and or purpose whatsoever. Um, and so, so all I'm trying to say is that like, you know, to, 
for the trophy hunters and the people who are who you know shoot animals domestic ones even that just simply for the fact that walk they walk on their property repent um the kingdom of god uh, is at hand (laughs) yeah not not only is it what jacob is saying with the moral windows uh i also feel like that person may be transgressing uh the value that that animal may have had simply because god created them with value yeah um so yeah, I, I I hear your point, Jacob. That gets dicey as you get into God's commanding of us of literally as a part of worship, <laughs> killing animals. Um, does that mean that God's yeah. saying they don't have value? No, I, I I think the way to answer that would just be to say that um, they're fulfilling their value that um, in the way God has commanded it. So uh, again, I'd have to think more about it. But yeah. yeah, that's kind of my... And I, I think, Eric, that this is true to a lot of our disagreements. I think the the, the tendency is that I will find uh, the immorality or the, 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 the very pro- heart of the problem is within the relationships that are born between two agents or, two phenom- or an agent in a phenomena, right, or an action... Uh, and you see more intrinsic into the action or the 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 object or the agent themselves that they they are the ones that carry the moral weight, right? Um, mm. So I would say like this is it doesn't surprise me that we disagree on this. This is this is I think a tendency. So it's interesting though. I'm not, yeah, I'm not even sure it's a disagreement really. Uh, well, no. you, it would seem you would you would disagree with maybe my proposition that perhaps there is something intrinsic, but I am agreeing with right. you. Uh, I just take it a step further. In practice, we're frowning at the same stuff. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that. Yeah, I think that probably about wraps it up. Unless you guys have anything else you want to say on the topic. Mm. Um. I mean, I I was just going to agree with you, Eric, on the one of the things you said. Uh, prior to that, you know, we see, we see God create animals even before He created humans. Uh, you know, to to fill creation, um, to to be in it, to enjoy God's creation, um, and and they they weren't created only to be uh, utilized by humans for food or for whatever, but they were created uh, to be created. Frankly, you know, so mm-hmm. I think we see that in the text. So I. I think that maybe the relationship between humans and animals have has been disordered by the by the entering of sin into the world. Um, mm. I think we talked about this before. Uh, you know, when we were talking about uh, w- what does heaven look like? You know, when when uh, Jesus returns, what what does this look like? What what, what does the uh, the new earth look like? You know, the the restoration of earth. Yeah. And I think that we mentioned like. I don't think animals are going to eat each other, you know, like, yeah. like the lion will lay with the lamb. Um, uh, yeah. I'm not sure. I want to, I, I kind of avoided that in this conversation. I don't know. Uh, I think maybe, uh, there is know, that, it, there is the text just... in, in Isaiah that does say like, uh, you know, the child is going to sit with the viper, the, the lamb will lay down with the, with the lion. Um, now is it metaphorical language um to show a greater reality that there will be peace on the earth i'm not sure there better be chick-fil-a in heaven (laughs) yeah Yeah. or like is somebody's uh 
No, no, I won't say that. But no. but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, and some well, I, mean, I have heard arguments both both ways. Yeah, it is it is interesting to think about well, the and all that to say. You know, it's, it seems like well, to your point, Eric, that animals were created because uh, God wanted to create them. He saw he saw it fit to create them. Um, so there must be some sort of intrinsic yeah. value, at least in some in some. Well, he created, yeah, my, my justification is he created them and it was good. And then at the very end, it was very good. And yeah, Jacob's laughing because I know we were going to disagree on that, but um, that would, that would seem to me to indicate some sort of intrinsic value going on. uh, Right. And and then, you know, to take it a step further that the, the relationship between humans and animals has been disordered in a way uh, because of the entry of sin into the world. So Mm. I think that that, that, that's kind of where I would stand, you know, at least that's where my opinion lands on the creation aspect. I mean, I'm, I'm right in step with you, Eric, and uh, I think trophy hunting is just atrocious. You know, the the killing of an animal for the killing of an animal, I think to Jacob's point, it really does show that there's some sort of disordering in that person's heart and that they, they feel like they need to um, exercise power or dominion over an animal just to exercise power or dominion over an animal. Like a, yeah. or because like, they want the exhilaration of doing it. There's obviously yeah. an extreme level of, um, I'm forgetting the technical term, but like, like adrenaline, adrenaline. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. As, as the situation happens and mm-hmm. it, it, it really does get you going. Like it's like, yeah, yeah but you I, can do I, that I with a deer it. and then eat it. You don't have to do that with a lion, mm-hmm. right? Like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or an elephant. You know, a highly intelligent creature that looks yeah. after its its uh, close and extended family. I mean, I just find some of those things to be absolutely a yeah. Abhorrent. My my point in saying that is, there's multiple ways that a, a human might be approaching the reason for doing trophy hunting. But the the fact of the matter is, it goes back to what Jacob's saying. It's um, for some sort of selfish purpose that I think falls out of uh the way that god has ordered uh the world to be and uh the value that certain things have yeah. um in my Definitely. view so yeah right on Anyways. I, I i think we hit it yeah all right shall i close us i think so all right well if you have any comments or questions or if you have any ideas that you'd like us to talk about you can uh shoot us an email at sophomorosofficial at gmail.com that's s-o-p-h-o-m-o-r-o-s official at gmail.com uh we'd love to hear from you guys Uh, we're always trying to think of new and fun things to talk about on this podcast because this is this is quite the life-giving thing for me um and i think for uh, Nate and Eric as well. Um, yeah, I would agree. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, please reach out to us, and as always, may Christ be exalted. Good job, boys.